0: The scripture this morning comes from the book of Mark, chapter 6, starting with verses 30 to 34, and then we skip down and do 45 to 46. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, "'Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest.'" So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word.
1: Thank you, you, Jen, for sharing that, reading that with us, and Ben, for your music, leading us in worship. Hey, everybody. Uh, It is always good to be with you on the Lord's Day. Today is our second Sunday in the series, Margin, Restoring Overloaded Lives and uh, by the way, after worship, if you don't have a copy of the book uh, about margin written by doc- medical doctor Richard Swenson, I noticed that there's a book table out there uh, in the foyer and there's still about a dozen books left. And so, um, anyway, run back there after worship and, and uh, get one. Uh, let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, Come. Come as the fire and burn, come as the wind and cleanse, come as the light and reveal. Show us our sin, turn us around, set us apart until we are wholly yours. Amen. Well, uh, thinking about you and your cars, and I'm wondering... How low do you let your gas tank go? You know, how many of you would say, yeah, if it gets about down to half, I'm I'm filling up. How many would say that? A few of you. We had more first service that did that. But, uh, you know, me, I'm about, well, I get down to an eighth of a tank. I'll see if I can see a gas station to drive by, you know. I I can let it, you know, sometimes I just wait till the, the little gas pump signal is flashing. And then I go, okay, yeah, I think it's time now. Uh, Now, but, of course, now with the car that I have now, I plug my car in every night. And uh, I just use the gas tank as margin for when it runs out of charge. Now, what is margin? Well, last Sunday, if you were here, I I offered a definition. I'm going to try another definition out for you today. Here it is. Margin is the extra fuel I keep in the tank so it doesn't run dry. I knew a guy who he had his own fix-it business in a small town, and he drove this old blue panel truck, so it looks like an old beat-up van. And the fuel gauge did not work, but he had a plan. He kept a full uh, a can of gas in the back of his truck, and he'd drive until he ran out of gas. And then he'd take out his gas can, pour in a couple gallons, and then head straight to the station, fill up his tank, and refill his can. That gas can was his margin. Today in the next few Sundays, we're going to look at four areas where we all need margin, that little cushion, right? Uh, And they are emotional energy, physical energy, finances, and time. And today we're beginning with restoring emotional margin. And we're going to look at how Jesus did that, how he maintained and refilled his emotional margin. Now, of the four areas that we're going to be looking at, uh, I think that restoring emotional margin might be the most challenging. Think about it. With time, we always kind of know where we stand because we always get 168 hours every week. No more, no less. With finances, we're either in the red or the black. With physical energy, we pretty much know when our bodies are tired or sleepy. But emotional energy... That's the tricky one. We can become emotionally drained without even seeing it coming a lot of times. About 30 years ago, a seminary professor uh, told our class something that I have thought about it many times. He said, We humans, we are not rational creatures. He said, We are emotional creatures with the capacity for reason. And I thought, How true that is! We are emotional creatures. You just go to a football game, it's obvious, you know, or any other kind of competition. Now, what do I mean by emotional energy? Well, let's let's look at this. Emotional energy is my daily supply of well-being from which I am motivated to live in healthy ways. What do you think of that? Will you say it with me? Let's try it. Emotional energy is my daily supply of well-being from which I am motivated to live in healthy ways. Dr. Swenson notes, each morning we rise to meet the day with a certain quantum of emotional energy. For some, this this energy reservoir is huge, while for others, it is nearly drained empty. I would like to invite up uh, my friends John and Sarah Generoo, uh, and uh, I always kind of feel a, a really strong connection to people that I've done the wedding for, and, and uh, they're part of that group for me. So thank you. And uh, John is also in my uh, small group, and so we've kind of gotten to know each other a little better that way, too. Um, so anyway, tell us a little bit about who you are.
2: Well, as Steve said, my name is Sarah, and this is my husband, John. Uh, We've been going to Faith Westwood uh, mostly since 2003. We left for a few years and went to Water's Edge when Pastor Doug left, but came back to our home church. Um, We have a 24-year-old and a 10-year-old, and we are therapists in the Millard community.
1: Yeah. Well, and um, I think it's kind of interesting, too. Tell us what you do, what's your profession? Did you say that? I did. I up? guess I, I was thinking of something. I missed it. But tell us again, John.
3: Are you listening?
1: I'm trying. Okay. So, focus.
3: Uh, we are mental health providers uh, here in Millard. Uh, we're right off of Q Street, uh, about 113th and Q. Uh, we have our own private practice there. Um,
1: Because I know you used to have your practice down in Bellevue and recently moved it up. Yes, that's true. Well, um, Mike, one of my questions for you is, what does it feel like to be emotionally drained? I mean, I'm sure you have people who come to you uh, with, you know, maybe what are their symptoms? And maybe even what have you been through during those times when you've been emotionally drained?
3: Yeah, I mean... Being emotionally drained, it it takes a physical toll Mm. on you, um, besides an emotional toll. So, you know, usually you see things like not motivated, uh, fatigued. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes it can even lead to other physical ailments, uh, stomach issues, headaches, things like that.
1: Yeah. What else, Sarah?
2: Um maybe a change in your relationships or interest in things you like to do? Um, relationships with our families and our friends are much harder when we're emotionally drained.
1: Yeah. You know, I would, I would think that being a, a therapist, a counselor, would be really emotionally draining work, you know? Because, I mean, that's why, you know, no one expects a professional therapist to, you know, have 40 hours of work seeing 40 patients. You know, that, that would, you know, you just couldn't survive that. No. Um, so I guess my, my thought is, how do you replenish yourself? How do you make yourself more emotionally resilient so you can bounce back and, you know, be fresh to help other people the next time?
2: Um, I think this varies for everybody. Um, we all have different interests and likes, and we have to kind of go start with that and do the things that we love and spend time in the things that we do, we care about and the, with the people we love. Um, my biggest thing is that we need to be connected with mm-hmm. God, with relationships. If we aren't connected, um, typically that shows in, with that emotional energy and draining. Um, and that can come out in all kinds of ways, whether it's with your kids or your spouse, um, Friends, small groups, however, wherever you feel most connected and plugging into those places.
1: Yeah. Um, how does that, what, you know, you're kind of a people person, right? Yes. So tell me about how, how those connections help, you know, what, what helps you that way?
2: Um, people, people definitely um, fill my bucket. Mm-hmm. Um, they make they make me feel better. Um, even my clients have that ability to help fill my bucket no matter how draining things are going for them um, and how exhausting it is to leave the office at the end of the day um, after taking on kind of all their stuff. They still ha- can yeah. fill my bucket in the other way. Right. That's um, interesting. My small group helps a lot with that. I spend a lot of time with our small group um, at least once a week and my friends to mm-hmm. just decompress and share experiences and sometimes events and let things out.
1: <laughs> yeah. And and John, what about you? What helps you replenish or maybe others that you know? Or...
3: Yeah. Um, I am not a people person. <laughs> I know that's weird. I'm a therapist. I, yeah, I, get, I get the ironic part of that. Um, I like uh, to be in prayer. I like our small group uh, when we get together. Uh, I also like to do you know, hobbies, things, things on my own. Um, my big hobby now is to sit in my recliner. That's, yeah. that's a good one. Um, <laughs> uh, but seriously, I mean, it's just finding those things that you like. It's finding that balance in life. Oh, yeah. um, you know, and that's different for everybody. Some people like to be <clears throat> with other people more. Uh, some people like to go to the gym. You know, church, uh, family time. Uh, you know, our 10-year-old keeps us very busy, so... Right. Uh, we need to re-energize from that as mm-hmm. well, so...
1: Um, so, tell me about that balance. You know, how do you all keep the balance?
2: I'm not doing a good job with that right now. So um, this is a, probably our busiest season right now. And mm. so it's kind of ironic that I teach this and I'm talking about this today because we're probably in the the craziest time of our life right now. Um, I, there, is a, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I keep that in mind. I'm going, OK, I can get to this point and then I can find downtime. Mm. Um, I go to bed early, I find things, time to spend with friends or family on t- in it, even if it adds one more thing to my schedule, but it makes me feel better. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is to offer ourselves grace and forgiveness when we're not doing things at our best, um, when we're not um, taking care of ourselves, because it's just that much harder on ourselves when we give ourselves a hard time.
1: Yeah, thanks, Sarah. What about you, John?
3: What was the question? Uh, I, I, got, I got lost.
2: You can yell at me now.
3: Yeah. No, I, it
1: was just, you know, how do you, how do you find balance? Or what does that balance. look like? yeah. You
3: know, um, you know I, part of it is I, I kind of look at it as like a, a car, right? If yeah. your car is in tune and the wheels are aligned and the balance on the wheels are good... You're just kind of humming down that highway, you know, Mm -hmm. good gas mileage, all that. When life becomes out of balance, just like a car, you know, the gas mileage isn't that good. You pull to the right or left, you're going thud, thud, thud thud down the the street and Mm -hmm. things just aren't going well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we try to find that balance. For me, like I said, it's some alone time, it's prayer. Uh, Try to get to the gym. Uh, try to eat healthy. Sometimes when we're emotionally drained, that doesn't happen. We don't have yeah. the energy to go to the gym. Yeah. Uh, we want that comfort food or, you know, that, that's something to make us feel better and overeat sometimes. So that all, it all plays together.
1: You know, with, with the things that you're going through and, you know, you've got a real active 10-year-old and all those activities and, and uh, you know, popcorn sales, you know, just this, this so busy this time of... With Cub Scouts, uh, what, what would you say that you've learned, either one or both of you? What, what would you say you're, you're learning right now?
2: Um, the biggest thing for me is about setting boundaries with myself and with others. Um, I, I don't say no very well, but learning where um, where I need to set that boundary when I do something for myself or with other people. Um, learning where I can take, um, take breaks and where I can delegate to other people um, or where I can um, just stop and put it aside for another moment or another day.
1: Yeah.
3: You know, I, I think part of it is, is learning how to say no. I mean, which is kind of like putting up boundaries. Mm -hmm, Right. Uh, You know, as Christians, we tend to always say yes, we always want to help other people. And in some ways that can be re-energizing, but when it gets to where you're fully extended and then, you know, one more person or one more thing comes up that, you know, you want to do, that can become very overwhelming. And then as a result, you know, you you don't have that energy, you don't have that emotional energy, maybe for things that you really wanna do because you've overextended yourself. So I think it's important to be able to say no um, and be able to make sure you're taking care of yourself because if you don't take care of yourself as much as you want to help and take care of other people, you really can't.
1: And so sometimes saying no to good things Means being able to say yes to better things. Yeah. True. Yeah. Thank you both for help for being a part of this today. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thank you again, Sarah and John. Uh, Today we're going to see how Jesus responded uh, to emotionally demanding situations and, and uh, how he wanted his disciples to respond. So let's open our Bibles to Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. Uh, we're going to look at, start with verse 30, and in the Pew Bible, if that's the one you're using, it's on page 1008. Now, right before this, Jesus sends his 12 disciples out on their first mission trip without him. They go in pairs from town to town, and they, they tell people to repent of your sins, and, they, and with Jesus' own power upon them uh, and, and His authority, the, the, His disciples expel evil spirits, and they heal the sick. And when, when they return from their short-term mission, the disciples, I mean, they are so excited. Wow, it's working. You know, they are pumped. They've never had this kind of power before, and I could imagine it could be quite intoxicating. But Jesus knows that being a conduit of God's grace can also be emotionally draining. Let's start with verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. FYI, they are called apostles here instead of disciples because an apostle is someone who is sent out on a mission. That's what the word apostle means, and that's what they've just been doing. And it's the same with us as disciples. Jesus calls us and says, follow me. And then he sends us and says, represent me. That's part of the whole package that we get. Uh, But their good work comes at a cost, as we see in verse 31. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. So many people. So much need, so much coming and going. And the way I look at it, when you're too busy to eat, you're way too busy. And this isn't the first time that it's happened. Uh, Jesus knows that his disciples, they cannot keep up this pace. So, and here's going on, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place And get some rest. You know that was one of Jesus' commandments? Get some rest. (laughs) This passage is sandwiched between the disciples' mission trip and Jesus feeding the 5,000. And Mark, the gospel writer, could have left this segue piece out. He wouldn't have had to include where Jesus is saying, hey, let's get away and get some rest. But he does include it. And to me, that is significant. You know, we see this in the Bible all the time. Rest is not optional. Rest is a gift from God, and it's a necessity for us. So how are you at saying no to demands that really are going to be too much for you? How are you doing? How are you at saying yes to the gift of rest? You know, we all have times that are more demanding and stressful, and we're always going to have times like that. That's part of being human. And, and Jesus did too. So we have to balance them with times that are restful and things that are rejuvenating. Verse 31, so they went away, Jesus and the disciples, they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. You know... There is something about being on a boat, in a boat on a lake. You know, you just you turn the motor off. Maybe you drop anchor, and uh, the water's just kind of gently rocking the boat. Maybe you hear the, the little bit of waves slap up against the side of the boat, or maybe you hear the boat just kind of creak a little bit. and Maybe the squawk of a seagull going by. I think it would be a great place for a nap. And and so they're out on the boat with the coastline in view. And as the boat comes around to the north shore, they look out and the crowd is already there. They've been watching and following uh, the boat from the shore. What's Jesus going to do now? They're trying to get away. He could say to the crowd, you guys are like the paparazzi. Get out of here. Can't you tell we're trying to take a break? But he doesn't. And even though Jesus and his disciples are tired and they really deserve some rest, here's what happens. Verse 34. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. There will be times when you are emotionally spent. There are going to be times when your tank is nearly empty, and then somebody shows up and needs your help. What are you going to do? Where do you go to find compassion when your tank is dry? Well, this is where you are going to lean on God more than ever. This is when you realize that when you are at your weakest moment, you have a strength you can rely on beyond your own. The Disciples, they just want to send the crowd home, get rid of them, you know. We don't have time for this. But Jesus doesn't do that. He cares about these people. It's late in the day. He's taught them, and now they're hungry. The sun's going to be setting soon. So Jesus takes what they have, which isn't much, five loaves, uh, small loaves of bread, a couple of cooked fish, and he does this amazing thing. He gives thanks to God for what little they have. That's the amazing thing. And then he breaks the bread, hands out pieces of fish, and before the sun goes down, everyone has enough to eat. 5,000 men plus women and children. What a day that would have been. Still, Jesus has not forgotten that he and his disciples, they need rest. Right after the miracle meal, verse 45 says, immediately... And by the way, that's one of Mark's favorite words in his gospel is immediately. I think he uses it a dozen times. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Notice he didn't ask them. He made them. You guys get in the boat. You know, get out of here. Go on and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. Notice here he doesn't just wait for them all to decide to leave. He dismisses them. Time to go. Bethsaida was home to at least three of the disciples and probably five of them, so this is a great place for them to go. This is a place where they can, you know, they can go home. They can get some rest. And then Jesus fills his emotional and spiritual tank. Verse 46 After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. It's time to be quiet, to enjoy some solitude to spend some time resting in the presence of his Father. Last Sunday, uh, I had those of you who were here huddle up and, and share which one you think would be the hardest uh, to run low on, whether that would be emotional energy, physical energy, finances, or time. And if we were to take a poll today, I'm sure we would have all kinds of all responses represented here. For me, I'd probably pick emotional energy as the hardest to be running low on. And, and the problem is that for me, uh, a lot of my life I have not been aware of whether I'm low or not. I'm, I've not been all that in tune to my emotional state. And I'm wondering that maybe some of you are like me that way. Um, or maybe now you've, lear- you've begun learning to gauge your emotional energy level. Remember we said... Emotional energy is that daily supply of well-being from which I find the motivation to live in healthy ways. You know, my work as a pastor is rarely physically demanding. I mean, the last time it was physically demanding is when I was on, uh, Trisha and I went on the the student mission trip uh, a few years ago, and uh, I mean, I'm telling you, we pulled a lot of weeds that week. Um, and it was really oppressively hot. But, uh, you know, most of my work is not like that at all. Most of my work involves sitting in an air-conditioned room in a very comfortable chair. That's, that's sort of the setting of, of my life. So, so when I get tired, it's not because I'm physically worn out. Uh, it's from the, the emotional exertion. It's from the energy required to stick with my tasks and to have fruitful conversations and to make sound decisions and to plan agendas and to prepare for Sunday messages. It takes emotional energy. And always for me, the fall is a really demanding time, you know, kind of September through November. A lot of people think we'd be, you know, Advent and Christmas or Lent and Easter, but really this section of time is, is the most demanding. Uh, uh, preparing for our annual church conference and working on staff reviews and planning for Giving commitment Sunday and working on committee nominations and coaching other pastors in our conference. And this year, it includes uh, interviewing candidates for a staff position. You know, I've been doing this for 40 years. It's always been like this. And God gets me through it every time. Even when I'm weary, God gives me what I need when I need it. Now, that does not mean that I can just, you know, plow on forever without any rest. As the psalm says, and I love this, God remembers that we are dust. (laughs) Isn't that something? Talk about how frail. God remembers that we we are dust. One of the most emotionally draining things for me to deal with is conflict. Are you that way? I mean, I think conflict is hard for a lot of us. When I'm in conflict with someone, you know, I am thinking about it way more than what I'd like to. You know, and... uh, Even when I think I'm not thinking about it, I am. It's like my engine is revved up and burning all this emotional fuel. And it doesn't have to be that big a conflict either for that to to happen. Another thing I've learned about myself is is that, you know, when I get home after a church meeting, 8 or 9 o'clock, I may not be as motivated the next morning to head to the gym at 6 a.m. Do I lack discipline? probably, but I think for me it's more than that. I recognize that I I need some time to recuperate. Uh, I just can't turn the switch on and make myself go at 100% all the time. I need to replenish my margin. And what happens if I am running on empty for a long time? Well, that's not good. And uh, uh, several things happen. Uh, Increased anxiety is probably going to be one of the first things that pops up just because that's the way I'm wired, all right? I also find myself forgetting little things. When I'm kind of stressed out, that's going to be one of my early signs is that I'm starting to forget things, where I put things, appointments, you know. uh, You know, I had a dream the other night about losing my car keys, and uh, I, I was searching everywhere forever, trying to find these car keys. Finally, I found them, and I forgot where I parked my car. That <laughs> <laughs> oh, was a bad dream. <laughs> when, when I'm under high stress, it's like half the storage in my brain is being used to process all this extra stuff, and that makes it harder to keep track of all the normal stuff. And when I'm running on empty, I find that I'm going to be more likely to fall victim to my cravings, and one of the first signs of that would be, you know, compulsive eating. When I have more margin, I tend to make better choices, usually. And when I'm running on empty, I find that I may not sleep as well either. And the less sleep I get, the lower my emotional tank is, and and that can just kind of set off a whole negative spiral leading to fatigue. And for some, I know, living on an emotionally empty tank leads to, uh, it can lead to escapist thoughts, escapist behaviors, things like gambling, drinking too much, splurge spending, pornography fantasizing, binging on TV and, and videos and games... I was at a conference a few years back for pastors on mental and emotional health. And at a breakout session, the instructor gave us this questionnaire about our stressing factors and our replenishing resources, okay? Stressing factors and replenishing resources. Now, like most pastors, my stressing factors were really pretty high. Fortunately, my replenishing resources were also high. Things like being in a healthy marriage, getting exercise four times a week, meeting with friends where I can open up about anything in my life, having a hobby that I enjoy, spending regular time with God, and so on. You know, those are just some of the ways that we try to make sure that we've always got something left in the tank. We've always got some margin there because you never know when a crisis is going to hit and you're going to want to have something left in reserve. Now, hopefully when you, when you came in today, somebody handed you a card. You, you got that? Could you pull that out now? Uh, anyway, what I advise you to do is draw yourself a little sketch of a gas gauge. That is actually the gas gauge of my wife's car that I took yesterday. Uh, so it could look like this one, or you could make a whole different kind of gas gauge. It doesn't really matter. Uh, now, ask yourself, what do I have in my emotional tank right now? So you could mark the gauge, fill it up or make the needle go where you want it or whatever, but I would encourage you just to, to try that now. Some of you say, well, I'm nearly full or I'm below half or I'm, you know, running on fumes. It's hard to know. It takes some soul searching. You have to get a feel for your feelings. You have to watch your behaviors. So if you're ready, go ahead and and mark your level on your card, even if you're just guessing. That's okay. Just guess. And then somewhere on the card, I would encourage you to write a short prayer about this now I'm going to give you a few examples of prayers that could be used but these are just sort of for illustration you come up with your own if you want Uh, Lord Jesus give me time to rest and replenish my emotional margin Holy Spirit teach me to pay attention to my emotional health Heavenly Father I am not in a good place emotionally please help me Now, what I want to do is give you a full minute to write down whatever prayer you want to pray. If you've already written it down, just sort of use this time to ponder over that prayer. Shane, you want to play for us? We'll take a full minute. Dear God, we admit that sometimes it's easy for us to think of you as a tyrant who's always demanding that we do more. But we're learning that you are a lot more like a good shepherd because you guide and you provide. And right now, we just want to say thank you for the gift of rest. And, Lord, we ask you to give us wisdom as we learn to listen to our emotions and what they're telling us. Show us, Lord, how to be healthy, happy, and holy people. Jesus, we we love you because you loved us first, and we pray in your name, and all God's people said, amen.